Welcome everyone to your number one source for inspiring content from myself and other people who are putting a focus towards optimizing their health and maximizing their potential. I'll be bringing you education and conversations designed to assist you in taking your physical health, mental health and life as a whole to the next level. I am your host, Lewis Pierce, and this is the Priority Health Show. Everybody, welcome to Priority Health Show, episode number 11. And today is part one of a two-part series with my incredible guest, Carol May. Carol, how are you? Thank you for taking the time out today. You're all right? I'm good. Yes, I'm really good. Thank you. Fantastic. So the reason why it's a two-part series is because Carol's got quite a broad spectrum of expertise. So we're going to do two separate episodes. Today, we're going to talk all about intuitive eating and eating disorders. And then next week on the same day, a couple of hours later, so it'll be 1 p.m. UK time. I'll remember the timing for next week. Um, We'll be talking all about menopause, hormones, and that sort of thing. So definitely want to make sure that you're tuning in for next week's episode as well. So if you're watching this live on Facebook, give me a hashtag live. If you watch this on the replay, give me a hashtag replay. And if you listen to this on Spotify or YouTube on the replay, well, thank you for tuning in. I won't, I won't know that you're tuning in, but thank you anyway. So Carol, as I mentioned, you're an intuitive eating expert, um, eating disorder expert, uh, menopause expert. So before I butcher your introduction, I'd like to let my uh, guests into, uh, sort of introduce themselves so that I, uh, I get it right and don't make a complete okay. hash of it. So tell cool. us a little bit about yourself, Carol, and, and a yeah. brief history of how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a disruptive health coach and um, I'm disruptive because I break all the rules. Um, because I spent 50 years dieting. I spent 50 years yo-yo dieting. So that was from childhood. And um, I ended up fatter than I had ever been. I started dieting when I wasn't overweight, basically. Um, And I have... I've had trauma in my life. I I, I talk about big T and little t trauma. Um, And... Trauma is how we perceive what happens in our lives and how we, how we digest it. And very often we don't digest it. What we do is we use food to smooth it over so that we don't feel the pain. And I learned to do that when I was really quite young. Um, it then becomes a habit. It becomes a way of life. And I followed every single diet there was out there, every single one. And I beat myself up every time when I didn't succeed. Um, I trained in eating disorders. I thought I'd found the Holy Grail. Yes, obviously, you know, I'm just a rubbish person. I've got eating. Um, I have binge eating disorder, all those sort of things. Um, But what I learned five, six years ago changed my life completely. And my body lost weight without me even trying or focusing on it. So, and that is intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize at the time, but I do now. And um, for those who are watching and can see me, um, you might not believe this, but actually I'm 95. No, kidding. I'm not five. But I am actually almost 66. So <clears throat> you know what? I, I, I feel better than I've ever done in my whole life. 
um, I'm healthier. Um, and all my doctor says is your BMI is too high. And I just stick my fingers up at him because mm -hmm. at my age, I actually don't care. And if I say that the first, that BMI, if I start with B is actually bullshit, um, you'll know what I think of BMI. <laughs> yeah, I have the same opinion. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> So I now help women like me, you know, I had a terrible menopause journey, which we'll talk about next week, but you know, menopause turned my body into something overnight that I just didn't recognize. So I went back to the dieting. It's like, okay, it's done this. So therefore I need to diet. And um, all it did was I ended up with adrenal fatigue. I had breakdown, had adrenal fatigue. My body just went, no, so not going to play ball anymore. And, um, and so the clients I work with <clears throat> tend to be the ones that have gone through a similar journey mm -hmm. and who are just, they can't, they just can't do it anymore. They just, but they want to be healthy. They're trying to do all the right things. They're fed up with beating themselves up about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there's so much more out there. Um, you know, we, we think because all the information's out there, all we have to do is take the information and do it. We don't. We need people like each other. We need our coaches. We need our, you know, I have a business coach. I have, um, I have two coaches. Um, and, you know, we need support to do this. And I think you'll agree with that. Lewis, oh, yeah. that, yeah. you know, our clients need support so <clears throat> um and so I, I take them through we heal we're healing the traumas we're healing all the old thinking all the old stuff and i i use lots of different modalities but um a lot of it i use eft a lot which is very empowering i use um kinesiology uh where we use the body as a pendulum and um and i use the three principles awesome yeah wicked so you mentioned that you you started darting when i think your introduction says that you started darting when you were 12 when you weren't even mm. overweight just because you hated your body mm. and i i know from the women that i've worked with that's a very um common place for women to for their dieting journey to start when they don't even know what a diet is they don't even know how they're supposed to look they may be copying their mum obviously maybe getting bullied at school. So my first question to you, Carol, is at what point did, you know, you start to realize that what you were doing wasn't healthy, hating your body, um, punishing yourself through um, eating disorders and then, and then binging and all these sorts of things. What, at what point did you make the transition of something needs to change? And what was it that, that made you make that switch? Um, <clears throat> I trained in counselling in my 40s, <clears throat> and that started me on that journey. Then I trained in weight loss counselling, and I thought I'd found the Holy Grail, <laughs> which was basically a diet of um, shakes and meal replacements and bars and things. <clears throat> and, yep, the weight fell off. Absolutely, it did. Um and but it because it was counseling so i had supervision and my supervisor said you need to go and train in eating disorders 
because I was asking her questions about things. <clears throat> and when I went and trained, um, and it's a, you know, quite a, it's a very comprehensive training. And I, I thought, oh, my goodness. What I've been doing has just been stressing my body out. I've just been making it worse. I began to understand what it was that my body was, <clears throat> excuse me, my body was, why it was doing what it was doing. And I began to learn more about female hormones. I began to learn the effect of certain foods on certain hormones. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was experimenting. I'm a, I was a home economist originally. I love food. I'm a real foodie. I love cooking. I'm a cordon bleu cook. You know, I, I, I can create anything you like. <clears throat> so I will go in a supermarket, pick stuff off the shelves and go, oh, this looks interesting. Let's see what we can create with this. And, but I learned that things like tofu are no good for a midlife woman who has a hormone deficiency. It's, you know, it's, her endocrine system's not working properly. <clears throat> and I thought, oh, okay, right, that's not going to be very helpful then. And so I began to learn things then. And so I rejected, you know, it's like I stopped doing the, 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 the diet stuff. And, but then at that point, <clears throat> I went through marriage breakdown, divorce, homelessness, bankruptcy, <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle, major trauma in my life. And my body just wouldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I just, I almost lost the will to live. So <clears throat> it was certainly those, those kind of, all those events all quite close together. And during that time, I went back and redid, because you can redo the, the eating disorders training um, for free the second time round or third time round. You can do it as many times as you like just to refresh yourself. And <clears throat> I saw more things then, like we all do when we're learning. We see something different the second time round. It's like when you watch a film and you think, I'm sure I didn't see that scene when I watched it at the cinema. Why didn't I notice that before? It's the yeah. same. exactly the same. And, <clears throat> and somehow the universe conspired to bring people to me to get me looking at all of my emotions, all of my anger. Um, you know, I'd lost my whole life. And <clears throat> I felt quite entitled to those feelings, which we normally do. You know, we feel entitled to be angry. We feel entitled to be pissed off and, and all of those things. Then <clears throat> I realized that actually that was negatively affecting my body. Mm -hmm. And my body's going, mm, not very happy with this. So when I learned how to let go of all that stuff, I learned that it's an inside out job, not an outside in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, we're taught by the dieting industry that it's an outside in. No, it so isn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so once I processed everything, it kind of, I could feel all this stuff going. <clears throat> and then a month later, because I was working at the time in a health centre and going up and down the stairs and my trousers fell down. <laughs> I thought, 
oh, that's kind of weird. I don't use scales normally. I don't weigh myself. So I have scales, but so I stood on the scales. Oh my goodness, 21 pounds has disappeared. How the hell did that happen? (laughs) No, I wasn't dieting. Hmm, okay, this needs to be investigated. And that's when it really started. I went on to lose more weight and, or as I say, release weight. And people started saying, oh, you look wonderful. You're much more relaxed. You're much more, you know, in tune with things. Um, My children noticed a change in the way I was being. And my children are adults. And um, in fact, my daughter said to me, mum, are you ill? Oh, I said, no. She said, you've changed. Yes. You are ill. No, no, no. Okay, then she said, you're just weird. So I said, weird I can, weird I can take. Yeah. Then, <clears throat> then my son, and, you know, bless him, he's a farmer. He's not known for his, um, for, for speaking about touchy-feely things. And he said to me <clears throat> last year, he said, Mum, he said, you lost weight. So I said, son, that happened five years ago. You just didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, um, yeah. And, and so that, then I realized that what I was doing was eating in tune with my body. Mm-hmm. I had reconnected <clears throat> with me, the me inside. The me that I had started to smother with food my first memory is when I was five and um and now you know my my granddaughter's only 20 months and already her other granny is introducing biscuits and chocolate and cakes to her and you know she started oh big bit please no don't need a big bit um, <clears throat> and it's like, you know, when, when you're watching another young child, we are born totally connected to our body, what it needs, when it's hungry, when it's had enough, when it's thirsty, when it's tired, we so know. And if, you know, it's not a, it's not um, according to the clock. It's according to what our needs are. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> then we get put into nursery. We get put into school where meal times are set. And if you don't eat something at 12 o'clock, you're going to be hungry by the time you get home. So you eat. We get told off if you don't eat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, all of these things, they're really insidious. And it's not because any of us are bad parents. We're doing what we think is right for our child or children. Mm. Absolutely. You know, there's no, what it creates is a, is a background of guilt and shame and disconnection. That's the main word, disconnection with yeah. our, our body and our soul. I know it sounds a bit woo-woo, but. You know, I agree. I, I totally agree. You yeah. get so caught up in, in the rat race of you're supposed to lose body fat, you're supposed to 
look a certain way. You're supposed to perform a certain way at work. You're supposed to mm. live a certain way, buy a house, get married, have kids, do all these certain things that are someone else's agenda pressed upon you mm. that you then you lose all connection with, with yourself, what you want, what you need, how you want to look, what makes you happy. And you're just chasing through life, trying to satisfy every Tom, Dick and Harry yep. and your mental health. And then therefore physical health is what is then, bears the bears a brunt of, of that kind of lifestyle isn't it absolutely and i think that <clears throat> you know everything everything we experience in life is reflected in our body so when i see somebody you know when a woman says to me like somebody did on a, on a in a networking group a few weeks ago and i've you know <clears throat> lift breakout group and she said i i am your ideal client when can we talk now <clears throat> on the outside Yes, she was carrying probably more weight than she wanted to. Um, <clears throat> but we've become a very fat phobic society now. And because it's all been drilled into us that we're supposed to look a certain way. And <clears throat> but of course, what it came down to for her is unprocessed trauma. So the unprocessed trauma meant that because it was so painful, she disconnected with everything. So she, when it came to food, she was on automatic pilot. Just gone numb to everything. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that is the word. You know, clients have always said that to me. You know, I feel numb. And that's how I used to feel. So I absolutely get that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so... You know, intuitive eating is about nurturing your body, cherishing your body, um, but also your mind and, and your soul, really. Um, it's allowing yourself to live your life because nobody else, is, you're, you're that person in that body. What a revelation. <laughs> I know. Who, who'd have thought? Hey, I know. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> but because we think the solution is out there, because that's what we've been taught. You know, we've been taught that we just need more information. You know, the internet is awash with information, and <clears throat> but most of us, you know, I have got oh decades of information here, files of everything. Do I look at it every day? No, I don't. You know, it's there all the time. <clears throat> Do we act on it? No, we don't. Because what we need is a coach. What we need is somebody on our side. What we need is somebody that understands where we're coming from and who we connect with. <clears throat> you know, we, we buy the person. We don't buy the information. That's free on the internet. So... You know, if people want to know about intuitive eating, it's all out there on the internet. But <clears throat> to actually do the work, we need accountability, which mm -hmm. I know we talk about. And, you know, accountability is really important. Um, and also to realize that all the solutions are here. They're all inside. We, we know intuitively what suits our body to eat and you know i know now sadly that i can't eat dairy 
because it gives me terrible headache and sinus problems. Do I like it? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes eat it? Yes, I do. Because I eat it and I enjoy it. I eat it mindfully, slowly, and with reverence and joy. Um, <clears throat> and I, that's how I cook. I cook with love and joy. You know, I teach children, you know, the children that I was up until lockdown teaching, cooking, you know, you, they'd make their pastry and then they'd bang it like this on the, on the worktop. I go, don't bang it. It doesn't like it. And they go, they cook this on. This is funny woman trying to teach us this. I said, no, it wants some love because the love you put in it comes out in the flavor. And people will then enjoy it. But they, these children already don't understand how, the, don't understand the joy of food. And I think that's really sad. Um, you know, there's, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I am passionate about cooking from fresh. I'm passionate about not eating processed foods because over 80% of processed foods it's got sugar in it and sugar really doesn't we don't need sugar now you know our, our need for sweet stuff goes back to the stone age you know when we were fighting to survive and so we might find a bee's nest or something and eat some honey but <clears throat> we, we gorge ourselves because we wouldn't Maybe we wouldn't get honey again for another year or two. Now everything's available 24-7. Mm. Still got that old reptilian brain here at the base <clears throat> um, that's telling us, eat sweet things, eat sweet things. When you're stressed, you want sweet things. When you're stressed, you want processed carbs. You know, you want all of these things. And that's what people have been talking about during lockdown is, why am I eating all of these things? And I go, actually, it's not your fault. This is how we're made to be if we're disconnected. If we're disconnected from what our body really wants, you know, instead of talking about and processing all of these emotions, all of this stress, all of this anxiety, um, you know, talking about money and all our money worries, we eat. And that's the problem. Mm. And, <clears throat> you know, so I, I, I admit, I take my clients off sugar, including natural sugar, processed carbs, <clears throat> diet drinks, the whole kit and caboodle. Because anything sweet to somebody who's dieted for 20, 30, 40, 50 years <laughs> will be a trigger in their brain. And they'll go off down that rabbit hole again. So, <clears throat> uh, you know, one client I, I who started in January, she just did, she only needed my six week program, and you know she she dropped over a clothes size, and she's never gone back to Coke Zero, <laughs> which is always her place to go. Um, but it's taken her a while to realise that. Dairy's not her thing either. Yeah. 
So, and it's, it's not a bad food. It's just a food that her body doesn't want anymore. So there's no good or bad. <clears throat> We're just reconnecting with what our body needs in that moment. So I teach them how to ask their body, how to recognize what the answers are. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we talk a lot about water, um, you know, because that's really important. Um, the number of people I come across that don't realize about hydration. Um, <clears throat> and then we, you know, we talk about the fact that the problem isn't them. Problem is what we've been taught for all these years, and it's really hard. I know it's hard. I don't really like that. I like to say it's not easy, but <clears throat> it is hard to break through all those rules because everybody else around us is still living by the rules. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> but what happens is, you know, when it comes to eating disorders, is that. <clears throat> With people with severe trauma, they, the only part of their life they can control is food. <clears throat> and so that becomes their point of control. So they tend to, you know, anorexics are the extreme end where they control food. But it go, it's actually... Um, it's actually a psychological issue with anorexia. There's an anorexic voice <clears throat> and they have body dysmorphia and everything else that goes with it. The majority of us are in the other half of the, <laughs> the range where we might binge eat, we might <clears throat> only eat certain food. That's another control thing, particularly with children. Mm. You know, they'll say, no, you know, you, you might have brought them up to eat everything and then suddenly they go, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. And that's actually an indicator that they're experiencing something that they can't vocalise. And in that place, if it's not dealt with right then and there, you can end up with very disordered eating. Hmm. Then you get <clears throat> binge eating disorder, <clears throat> uh, which is very common. Um, and that comes as because people restrict so much, then the cravings start. And when the cravings start, they just go mad. So it's all sugary, processed carbs kind of stuff that they will binge on. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you see it on TV, they joke about the tub of ice cream and they'll sit there and eat the whole lot. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, you've got all the, you've got bulimia that's linked with that because then you get the guilt and the shame. And then you think, okay, I'll, I'll just get rid of it. Um, <clears throat> so I have had quite a lot of clients who... I knew what the signs were. I knew they were bulimic, but they, it took them a while to admit it. Mm. Um, and they saw dieting as a way of controlling it. Yeah. I think um, 
I think a lot of weight issues, eating disorders, they all stem from a, a lack of happiness and fulfillment in someone's life where they, they put their own happiness into the hands of somebody else, their, the opinions of somebody else or, or their opinions of them. And then because they feel out of control of their own happiness, because they've given that over to somebody else, mm. they then obviously, they then go, like you said, they go to food to control themselves or to feel mm. in control of something, which is obviously one of the six human needs that we, that we have is that we want to be mm. in control to a certain extent. And obviously, again, it comes back to you bear the brunt of, you know, your lack of emotional control, so to, so to speak, mm. by handing that over mm. that happiness to somebody else. Mm. Exactly. <clears throat> and we learn that. We learn that from our parents because they don't have it, who learned it from their parents who didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, and I, I have a, um, several colleagues who are trying to bring this more into schools and places now to, to teach, begin to teach children about emotional regulation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> whereas I'm picking up <laughs> the women at the other end um and and it's so it need, it needs a, a multi-pronged attack if you like yeah. uh, and I, I know we talk more about mental health now than we ever have but there's still a stigma attached there still is um because unless i mean i say unless we've experienced it <clears throat> you know if you've got bipolar or something like that then obviously you know, I've not, I have ADHD, I don't have bipolar. So I can empathize with somebody because I know how that feels, but not anything else. But when it comes to emotional dysregulation, the number of people, and I look around at my friends and I think we've never had an in-depth conversation about feelings and emotions, (laughs) you know? Most yeah. people walking around have no idea how to do that. Yeah. We live in a society of blame, judgment, um, and shame. And we project that outwards, but actually it's because we are doing that to ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's like all of those issues you've mentioned throughout this conversation, the anxiety, eating disorders, depression, all of those sorts of things you can pretty much tie them all back to stress and stress yeah. is stress is a feeling. When I say to someone you're choosing to be stressed, they're like, um, no, I'm not. But what you're on about yeah. it, stress is stress is a feeling. Stress is a choice. And that is generally where it all stems from because stress comes from you feeling out of control primarily. So if you can actually take control of your emotions, which is a choice, if you can stop giving over how you feel, to somebody else and what they think what they do then it's, it's not a coincidence that when somebody leaves say a toxic marriage that they automatically lose weight it's not a coincidence when somebody leaves a, a job that makes them miserable that controls them that stresses them out it's not a coincidence that they start looking better and losing weight mm. it's, that's how it should be you you need to take control of your mm. own life stop blaming everybody else take ownership mm. of it learn what needs to what needs to change get the help in changing or domesticating your emotions and everything else falls into place. Yeah. The problem, the reason why you can't lose weight isn't because you're not doing the right fat burning workout. The reason why you can't lose weight is because you're stressed up to your bloody eyeballs. Mm. That's why you can't lose weight. Mm. 
And, you know, so few people are actually talking about stress as, a, as such an important factor in our body. <clears throat> and yet, you know, we, it is, because it's, it's, it's part of our primal function is dealing with stress. <clears throat> and we need some stress in our lives. We need some judgment in our lives because that again comes from this part of our brain here, which basically would assess a situation and a person from a place of, will they kill me or am I okay? <laughs> you know, it's, it's as simple as that. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> yeah, the effect of stress is huge. Um, and I was, I was thinking of something else when you were talking, I, something else came into my head and I can't remember what it is now, but <clears throat> that is the only problem with getting older, Lewis, is your brain will suddenly, well, mine does anyway, it goes flying off in one direction and I think, hang on a second, I was meant to go in this direction here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it'll come back to you if it's important. Yeah. <clears throat> but yes, you know, it, our emotions and... Learning to ask, learn, actually for me, it was connecting with what my needs were. What my needs, because, you know, when I'm in the kitchen at nine o'clock at night in the cupboard or in the fridge, I sure as hell ain't hungry. <laughs> you know, it's not, it certainly isn't that. <clears throat> what is it? What is it I'm searching for? Once I learned what I was searching for, it was then easier to ask of myself but also of others. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, have a, I have a partner now. And sometimes when I'm going there, I'll message him beforehand and go, by the way, in need of lots of hugs today. I've learned to ask for them. Now, you know, my mother would say, shouldn't have to ask. Well, actually, if that's... Not my, we're not mind readers. <laughs> say again? We're not mind readers. No, you know, <clears throat> we're not, none of us are mind readers. So <clears throat> I've learned to ask, you know, when I have had a few, if I've had a few rough days, I'll message my daughter and I'll say, are you around in the morning? Can I pop over a coffee and a hug with Elsie? Sure. <clears throat> and in doing that, that gives me back I, I don't like the word control, but for me, it's about being empowered. And again, it's about getting my needs met, you know, our basic human needs, and then our more complicated human needs on top of that. And <clears throat> we don't talk enough about that. Really. Yeah, it's like um, something I focus on inside of my coaching is people's values. And a lot of people don't even know what their values are. And because they don't know what their values are, they're not taking control of them. So for example, if like for me, one of my biggest values is freedom, having control of my time, having being able to do what I want to do without having to ask someone for permission. Mm. Another one of my values is having like my daughter's asleep on the sofa at the moment, but being present with her at least an mm. hour a day so that I can, you know, have that time with her and, and she can kind of learn from me so that she doesn't make the same mistakes that I made growing up, like I've already touched on with food and stuff. Mm. But because so many people don't actually know what makes them happy, 
they're bloody miserable all the time. And no wonder, yes. you're, no wonder you're stressed out and you don't know what to ask for. So you've got to sit down for a second and be like, what actually makes me happy? And then yeah. go and do that. Yeah. We don't. Everything, I think it's a lot easier then. We're full of distraction, aren't we? <clears throat> we distract our minds. We keep ourselves busy. You know, I, I go into my sister's house. The TV's on in one room. The TV's on another room. The radio's on in another room. <clears throat> you know, there's noise everywhere. Um, coming to my house, it's peaceful <clears throat> because I allow myself to sit and just drift. I'm not really thinking. I'm just drifting. I'm kind of a meditation, I guess. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I write my journal. Um, and I, I work on allowing stuff to come to me, allowing myself to learn. And <clears throat> most of us in life are so busy. And that's why we're disconnected. Mm. Um, you know, children can become overstimulated. <clears throat> You know, it's like doing all the time. And yet, that's just avoidance. It's a distraction. And yeah. so not being, you know, we're human beings, not human doings, as they say. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, it's so important to um, know our self. And I, I put a capital S on self. Because, you know, sometimes I ask, I say to people, you know, who are you? And I ask that question deliberately because they then tell me what they do, who they're married to or partner of, <clears throat> who they're a parent of, who they're a child of, who they're a friend of, all of those things, except who they are. Mm. What you were saying about values. Yeah, we we don't do that work. We don't teach children when they're young at work, and <clears throat> it's you know I, I I watch my granddaughter being brought up on the farm. You know the the, the turkey chicks arrived yesterday that they're going to rear for Christmas. They're just day old chicks, and she's in heaven in the barn with these lovely little chicks. Um, she's with her parents all the time at the moment. And that's so important. But they are also doing, <clears throat> excuse me, their own work. You know, they've been to relationship counselling. They've, they're doing all sorts of things um, to work on their own stuff at the same time. And, you know, bringing up children consciously like that is gift I think to them um, and most people I think they're walking around with their eyes closed yeah I agree they're so, foc they're so focused on keeping everybody else happy that the complete opposite happens mm. <laughs> like a, an analogy that I use is the horse and cart analogy where you know, you've got all these people that you're trying to look after but you're neglecting yourself Imagine if you asked a horse to pull a cart. If it wasn't fed, it wasn't watered, it was bloody miserable, it was stressed and it hadn't slept. It wouldn't pull that cart very well. You've got to kind of come first. You've got to understand what makes you happy, what you need, and then you can serve everybody else a lot better. 
And it's when people make that shift, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Mm. And then the game, the game changes completely then for them. It does. Absolutely, it does. And also they find their relationships change. Their life changes and then their body changes on its own. Yeah. And <clears throat> yes, we need to be healthy. Absolutely. And, but actually health, there's been a big study in, <clears throat> in the States. Uh, I think it's 2016 or something, 40,000 people. Um, and they assess them for health based on certain metrics not they didn't know people didn't know how much these people weighed <clears throat> then they added in the weight metric and 47 percent of people who were obese were actually healthy and 37 percent of the people who were thin were unhealthy yeah scary <clears throat> i know you know i know yeah yeah so, you know, know. He- health is health is um it's a holistic thing yeah, you can't just be like, yep, I'm healthy, tick the box. You know, it encompasses so many different areas mm. and not just how fat you are. No. Because <laughs> I have a lot of people that I work with who don't lose massive amounts of weight, but they are so happy yeah. just from making the, some subtle lifestyle changes, prioritizing some self-care. They've mm. lost a little bit of weight, you know, which has got them back down to the point where they, where they feel comfortable, which is a different place for everybody. Yep. Um, and they're happy mm. and because they're happy they're generally healthy mm. yeah you know yeah. you could you could be you could be size 10 you know nice and slim you can't not much of a roll to pinch on your stomach but be stressed so stressed and mm. people look at you and be like oh she looks healthy no mate she's on the brink of throwing herself off that flipping bridge mate she's definitely yeah. not healthy yeah you've got to get away from this whole how you should look it's all about how you feel. And at yeah. end of the day, the question is, are you happy? If you're not, mm. something needs to change. Mm. If you are happy, well, good on you, mate. That's exactly where you need to be. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. <clears throat> and I think lockdown has certainly shown people that they don't need all the things they thought they needed to be happy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You just be happy. Yeah. And be grateful. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And um, so, yeah, so the intuitive eating fits in with all of that because you're just eating in tune with your body. But first of all, you have to find out what that tune is. Yeah. Awesome. This conversation has been fantastic, Carol, but what I want to finish on is if you met someone in the elevator and they said to you, so Carol, what's intuitive eating? And you had 60 seconds to tell her, what would you say? It's um, creating a healthy and nurturing relationship with your body, your mind and food. Awesome. 10 seconds will do. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Carol, it's been an absolute pleasure. So we'll wrap up part one of this two-part series. And then next week we will deep dive into menopause, hormones, Mm-hmm. Nutrition, nutrition for hormones, which I'm really excited to, to talk about as well. Maybe learn a few things from you, which will be awesome. Carol, thank you so much for your time. Everyone You're that's welcome. been watching, watching and listening, thank you so much for checking us out. And yeah, if you need any more information about Carol, it's all going to be in the show notes for today's episode. 
Carol, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap for today. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. And I'd love to get your feedback, so feel free to leave me a review, regardless of whether you loved it or hated it. If you want to join the podcast community on Facebook or find out more about today's episode, please check out the show notes for all the additional information. See you next week.